Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Slasher Scotty. I am your host, Scotty McCoy, and boy, do I have a surprise for you. I have on Zoom right now my guest. He, is, he played Bannon in Remnants and is a co-writer on Phobias, among other projects that we'll get into, Tommy Tui. Hey, Tom, how you doing? Doing well on a snow day. How about yourself? Doing good. Uh, it's a nice day to have, you know, some hot chocolate and everything, you know. And the obligatory viewing of The Thing. You have to watch The Thing during a snowstorm. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, can't agree. I can't argue with that. Um, so the first question I have for you is, uh, how did you get your start into the indie film scene? All right. So believe it or not, this goes all the way back to kindergarten. Uh, myself and about three or four other guys in Miss DePolis' class. I am allowed to use her name, by the way. <laughs> Gina DePolis. Um she had like a Super 8 camera laying around and uh, me and the other guys just got together and did some impromptu little uh, video, which funny enough made it into the archives of the school I went to. Nice. Um, then uh, sixth grade, I was in a local theater production again with Miss Paula. She's like, I guess my muse, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But uh, I really kind of dropped out of, um, out of acting and everything else, just doing little things here and there. Uh, through college. I did have a radio, television, and film degree, so there was that. And I worked very briefly in Philadelphia radio as an online producer, which might sound cool, but it's really the guy who just screens phone calls. And at the time, back then, you hit carts for the commercials. So right. I wasn't really doing like production work. Fast forward to about 2005, uh, Paul Yoder, guy I went to high school with, good friend of mine, went to college with, uh, calls me and he says, hey, um, I think it was hard, uh, was one of the conventions, it might have been horrifying, I'm not really sure, I can't remember. But he says, hey, I'd like you to check out this convention. And at the time, I was like, oh, I really don't want to do this, man. I mean, that's kind of a weird scene. It's going to be people in, you know, facial tattoos and everybody's going to be wearing black. And I was right, except they turned out to be the best people mm -hmm. I have ever met. The entire community, as far as horror goes, are the most inclusive, warm, welcoming, and giving people. So I was genuinely happy about that. Mm -hmm. So as we're walking through, you know, the celebrities and the guests, you know, Kane Hodder, guys like that, mm -hmm. I noticed that there was a pretty robust indie community. Uh, everybody was, uh, you know, selling their movies. And I said to Paul, I said, you know, uh, this day and age with all the technology, we can make a really good, good movie for about 30 grand. And he says, no, it would take about 300. And I said, no way, man. So it became kind of a dare. And uh, I got home that night and I went to the internet and I did some really quick research and I found a guy named Gary Ugarik out at the time, I think he was in Baltimore and he was mm -hmm. doing a movie called Deadlands 2, which was being filmed in Leitersburg, not too far away from where I live. Mm -hmm. So I called him cold. And I introduced myself and I said, hey, I, I noticed that you're looking for producers on this movie, which means investors. And I said, I'd be happy to do that, but I'm um, going to need a small role in the movie. And uh, I'd been in the Army, by the way, from uh, graduation to college. And I was in criminal investigations. I was a CID agent. So uh, I told Gary, I said, you know, I'm interested in doing something, but I'm going to have to have, you know, some on-camera time as part of the deal. And he says, yeah, hey, I've cast everybody. I said, I got it. I said, I'm not a pro actor. I understand, but I'm competent enough to, to deal with some lines here. And he says, well, I, I need an evil government agent. And I said, what a coincidence. 
I am an evil government agent. I don't even need to act. <laughs> and so uh, myself and another high school buddy, Mike Hyatt, showed up on set for, it seems like it was an entire year of weekends of filming every Friday and every Saturday night until uh, Deadlands 2 was finally released. And that kind of set me off on the path that I am now, which is uh, just like I did with Gary. I called him. I was like, listen, I'm not asking for a starring role. I'll be happy to do background. I'll be happy to do anything. And then if I am fortunate enough to get a call back from that particular director or producer, then I go with whatever they tell me to do. The object is show up, do a solid job better than they would expect, even if it's, again, a three seconds on camera for background and then through that hopefully progress to bigger and better roles in the future with the same directors so far that's worked out really well for me awesome that's great and it's funny because for those that don't know which i'm sure a lot of them won't know is that at creature feature that i actually met you there for the first time that's actually where we actually met and got in touch with each other was creature feature and I met, correct. of course, Matt Burns, and I knew Noelle Berger prior to this, and Matt Burns I knew prior to this, but I didn't meet them at all. That was the first time I met them, and the same with Bobby Heckman. And, right, uh, yeah. Yep. So Bobby Heckman with Victim No More, Noelle Berger's in a lot of projects. I interviewed her already on my podcast, and I have Matt Burns coming on next week. And, of course, you are in Remnants, and you're a co-writer on Phobies, and you have a lot of other projects. And, the like you said, the indie community is really it's, – it's a tight community. And I don't want to go, and this isn't a question on my thing. I was actually thinking about it. I thought you would be the perfect person to really discuss this with. Um, obviously, and I'm not going to go too far into it. Oh, I'm bleeding right now. <laughs> um, but I have a, but there's, um, there's a, a couple bad eggs that are in, yeah. um, that are in the community. Obviously, they take people for granted for their hospitality and their generosity. Um, and we recently had one that was exposed. I'm not going to really go into it, but there are now a lot of people that have donated to past campaigns and that would have helped future campaigns. And for those that don't know, indie films, they're, they are definitely, um, funded. They're, they're not cheap and they take a lot of time and a lot of money to get them made. And, um, and in order to get them made, you have to have backers and that's where Indiegogo and crowdfunding comes into play. And with and a lot of people are hesitant to donate now because of one bad apple ruining it for all the good eggs. You know what I mean? And so the question I guess I got for you is, is how can, like, do you have any advice on how people can still donate to Indiegogo campaigns and be secured in knowing that, you know, not everybody in the indie scene is, is a bad apple? Right. Well, first of all, I think the majority of people in the indie scene are incredibly fantastic people mm -hmm. um i mean i did deadlands in 2007 i think that's when it was released i think we started filming 2006 mm -hmm. but i'm still in touch with gary after all these years i'm in touch right. with with almost everyone i've ever worked with uh and people i haven't worked with obviously you know that i've met mm -hmm. like yourself mm -hmm. so um the indie community being as tight as they are i think in the particular situation you're talking about what happened was is uh, somebody that was close to a lot of us vouched for this project mm -hmm. unknowingly. And right. so uh, once it was exposed as, as potentially fraudulent, then that word traveled equally as quickly. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not on the receiving end of uh, the finances for any of the projects that I'm in. So I wouldn't really be able to comment whether or not we're taking a hit because of this. 
but uh i did post this morning actually and i said you know there's there's two there's two things i would bring up one is you know don't let this one issue sour you because trust me you're going to meet the same type of people in hollywood okay Mm -hmm. two is real simple do your due diligence okay research 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 Mm -hmm. if you take it on face value without doing that research uh that's where you get into trouble and so my advice is to anyone who's looking to uh to fund a film is exactly that reach out and contact people and if you see really really big names attached to a project that can be a little bit of an indicator Mm -hmm. uh because you'll be able to go to that individual's facebook you'll be able to go to that person's imdb and you might see you know that they are indeed attached to that project Mm -hmm. if you don't see it that's when you kind of shake your head a little bit and and one thing that my dad always said this is that if it's too good to be true it probably is right like this project not to go like i said not to really go into that because that project's now in the past um but like it had really big horror icons involved and even had it on their imdb but they didn't know about it because he just attached it to them so all like yeah yep so always you know reach out to who you need to reach out to always you know i was attached to the project not financially but he approached mm-hmm. me and asked me if i wanted a, a role in it because of my role in Salon. so he asked me if i wanted to be a part be a part in it he told me a film to pennsylvania and i'm i live in maryland and I, I visit pennsylvania frequently and he told me he asked me if i wanted to be involved he told me a film in pennsylvania well, I, I get added to that uh chat group and i found out they're filming in california next month like, how am I going to get to California, get off work, make my travel arrangements, which he didn't even offer to pay? Like, that, all that was sus- adding up suspiciously. Like, it just didn't add up. <laughs> yeah. So I reached out to Carl, and Carl reached out to Amanda, and Amanda reached out to Noelle and Matt and everybody else. And we, we kind of, like, you know, got in touch with some of the actors that were involved with this project, and they came out and said they weren't part of it. And that's the thing. So if you really want to find out if a product is legitimate, like I said, Noelle Burger is a really good, a good egg. She's, she, I could vouch for her and Matt Burns, mm-hmm. yourself, me, uh, you know, you. like all of us, like we would know if a project is legitimate. And if we don't know, we can lead you in the right direction on who to contact. Right. Uh, the guys that you mentioned, especially Matt and Noelle, both of whom mm-hmm. I've worked with, had the pleasure of working with, mm-hmm. and uh, definitely consider Matt a close friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I might not know about it, but definitely those guys will. And yes. I'm more than happy to reach out and help anybody that I can for any reason. Exactly. And like like I said, if we can't figure it out, if we don't know the answer, we're not just going to give you an answer to make us look good because eventually right. it, will, it will make us look bad if you, if you end up doing something that you shouldn't have done. And like yeah. we all make mistakes. We might think it's a good project, but it might not be. But also a part of Indiegogo campaigns is, is not all of them that fall through are scams neither. Sometimes, right. you know, projects, they just fall through for whatever reason. And it might not even be a bad reason. It really is a gamble no matter the project. But it, if you know the person, you know that they had, you know, good intentions or the evil intentions of making it. And and that's where Noelle and Matt will come into play to let you know that this person is a good egg. They're going to they're going right. to do what is the right thing. And if they can't get it done, you know, then, you know, that's it was just a coincidental type of thing. Yeah, reputation is huge. Uh, yes. It's uh, it's it's big because I don't know of anybody in the independent 
you know, horror film mm-hmm. uh, circles that we travel in that's getting rich out of this. We're all doing it right. because we, we love each other. We love the genre. We enjoy right. the, and so reputation is really all you mm-hmm. have. And if you're willing to shatter that for a $7,000 scam on Indiegogo, yeah, what can I tell you? I know exactly. And it, it really, I mean, now like that person, he's, he's, his, his career, like whether it's Indiegogo, I, I mean, in the indie film scene, whatever, like it's completely shattered. Like there's no coming back from that because everybody's going to remember right. this. And it's, it's yeah. a shame. It's a shame. It really is. So um, going into Remnants, of course, your role was abandoned in Remnants. Now I know I got a copy of the movie. I still haven't gotten a chance to watch it. I've been very busy with YouTube and with Gravestone Films and everything. I do want to watch it. And today's a snow day. I mean, I did work, but I would like to watch it uh, this weekend. That would be something I would like to actually do. Um, but how did you get that part and what was the experience like? Well, you can go back to what I said, which was I happened to be, well, in this case, I guess it's a little bit different. Uh, Matt Burns reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to play Bigfoot? And I was like, absolutely, I want to play Bigfoot. <laughs> and so I came on set to uh, a movie that is uh, Wait For It, titled Bigfoot. And that was uh, Mark Byrne and Absurd Productions. And that was the first time that I had been on set with, with Mark. And I just took the same attitude I described for you earlier. I showed up. I knew that I was going to be in a creature costume. Uh, I did everything I possibly could. I know this sounds weird to prepare for that role because you really only get one shot right. again with, with the indie community to make it or break it. And if you, right. you show up and you're serious about it, even if it's being a Bigfoot in a costume, you take it as the best role and the right. biggest role you're ever going to get. Right. And so uh, just like I said, showing up and doing that good job. And the next thing you know, I get another call from mark and he says we get two roles and uh myself and a friend of mine matt Furman, were up for those two roles and i took bannon and to add towards the whole kind of attitude that i have when i read through the script i said you know mark the way that this is written is uh is is matt's character is really the alpha male here and i think that he should probably have a few of the lines that you've given to me so here I am. I'm saying I'm not trying to talk myself out of a job, but you know, it's it's about the movie. It's not about me. Exactly. And so the way that this is written, it really sounds like it's uh, these lines really belong to him. I'm definitely more of the the beta. And right. Mark was like, "No, nope, this is the way I want it." So there you go. And yeah. uh, so I showed up on set, and I had multiple costumes. I had prepared like the there was supposed to be a note on the desk which you'll see in the movie so i came prepared with the note on the desk <laughs> i came prepared with a uh, note paper because of the role that i had and the character is in the beginning you kind of meet him when he's not necessarily at the top he's mm-hmm. kind of on the bottom he may be hitting the skids a little bit and the mm-hmm. job that he's offered in the movie gets him back on his feet so to speak so i okay. came with the character in mind where I'm dressed as the guy from the beginning where he's at the bottom. And then the mm-hmm. next scene, I'm dressing a little bit better. Did I answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Sure. So what about like phobias? How did you be- uh, become part of the writing team on that? So uh, key 13 who are some of my favorite people on the entire planet. Uh, mm-hmm. If you haven't met them, 
uh, that's right. You'll be introducing, you'll be interviewing him next week, right? Yes, I will be. I'm excited Stop. about that. I met Matt, Matt Burns. Um, I, okay. I don't think I met the rest of them, but I met Matt Burns. Got it. So, yeah. um, once again, I'm on a set, very small role. I'm talking, I'm on screen in that particular movie for a half a second. Mm -hmm. And the guys that are now key 13 happen to be on, on the set. Mm -hmm. And I just started talking to them, doing the same thing that I did when I met you, which is, Hey, this is all I want to do. Let's network a little bit. And, mm -hmm. um, next thing you know, I'm contacted to audition for a movie called hoodie. It's a short actually, and it is out. And, um, uh, I had a great time on set. It was one of the coldest nights of the year. It got down to, I think, 14 degrees, by the way. Mm. They only like to film during cold, cold days. So let that be a, a lesson. <laughs> Anybody wants to do work there. So uh, I got another call back and we stayed in touch and we started communicating a lot more. We found out we had a, like, a lot of like ideas. Uh, we just shared a lot of same goals and uh, they shot me the screenplay for phobias and i looked at it and i said what exactly are you looking for and they said well you know take a pass at it and see if there's uh you know anything you would add or whatever and so i was like all right with your permission i'm going to take a look at this i'm going to throw some notes on and they were uh happy enough with the notes to where i was pretty blown away where they didn't say hey great thanks they said hey uh we're putting you on as a co-writer on this Nice. So that was pretty awesome. And then that relationship has really expanded to where nice. I'm also a co-writer on a serious profession, which is another movie that they have in pre-production. Right. Nice. So um, for all the, the films, including phobia phobias that you're currently involved with, that is public knowledge that you're able to talk about. Do you want to tell us what each of them are and what they're uh, kind of like a synopsis about it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I hate to do this to you, but because you are interviewing Key 13, I'm going to let okay. those guys take the, the brunt of that because okay. I don't want to say anything I shouldn't say. Right. But I can tell you, I can tell you the following. Okay. okay. Uh, so um, uh, just to clarify, you're looking for projects that are upcoming? Yeah. Anything that was publicly announced that you're allowed, actually allowed to talk about. Got it. Okay. So um, Absurd Productions is doing Brazen Impact. That is mm -hmm. a uh, crime drama. And I have a small role as a police officer, but I'm also an advisor on that. Okay. Uh, we have Phobias coming up, which is uh, looking to be a very strong movie. And again, I'm mm -hmm. going to leave that to the Key 13 guys to awesome. tell you more about that. Uh, Serious Profession is another crime drama. And again, I have a co-writing credit on that. Uh, mm -hmm. Same exact thing happened. I was asked to take a pass at it. I did. And cool. they were happy with what uh, what <laughs> I provided. Awesome. Um, as far as a role in that, I'm probably not going to be on screen with that one, but that's uh, completely fine by me. Uh, okay. Got to be happy with whatever you're doing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, then, and oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, and then KOA is going to be coming up with uh, with Matt Burns. Awesome. So that's awesome. Killed on Arrival. That is a homage to the 80s slasher movies. That's awesome. I'm excited for that one to come out. Um, and like like I said, I'll I'll discuss this again with Matt and his crew. Um, I believe the interview we're still discussing the time, but uh, it's going to be uh, sometime Tuesday evening.
Um, and then obviously I'll, I usually upload the interviews right after, um, and since it's Tuesday evening and I have work the next day, depending how long the interview is and everything I might, it might not get uploaded till the next day because of, you know, I have to be up early for work. <laughs> I understand. Hey, I'd yeah. be remiss if I didn't also throw out that, uh, we just finished up paralyzed, which, awesome. um, I got to reprise the role that I had in hoodie of Gordon. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, that's gonna, that is in post-production. We expect to probably see that it's a short. We expect to probably Mm -hmm. see that in about a month or so. I have, I can tell you that I've seen a couple of the rough edits and it Mm -hmm. looks really, really good. That's exciting. That's exciting. So definitely everybody keep an eye out, keep an eye out on that. And I'll definitely be looking out for that as well. Um, I I can't wait to see these projects come to life. I'm really excited about them. Um, So what is the biggest challenge about being part of the indie filmmaking scene? Ah, biggest challenge. That's an interesting question. Um, (laughs) I guess the biggest challenge is, um, I'm going to throw out good and bad if you don't mind. Yeah, not a problem. All right. So the bad challenge is, is that since it is the indie community and we all have lives and we all have, Mm -hmm. you know, problems that come along with life, uh, sometimes the inconsistency uh, I'm a big believer that if you make a promise to be on set, that mm-hmm. you, you are going to be on set. And right. any drama should be what's being produced in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. So don't come on the set with the drama. And if you say that you're going to show up, show up. Mm-hmm. So that's the Absolutely. bad challenge. Okay. Yep. The, the good challenge is that every single role that I get, which I'm blessed to get and I'm fortunate to get. I don't take any of this for granted. The biggest challenge is how do I give that director, that production team, the very best value that I possibly can. And so I come over-prepared. And what I mean is, is that it's like um, bringing in bags of stuff and people are looking at me like I'm nuts. And it's like, well, this is just in case this happens. And what about Mm -hmm. that? And so that would, uh, uh, it's a good challenge to have. I'll tell you that. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, uh, definitely show up on set. If you make a commitment, like, like they'll understand if you're, if your schedule is not available, say for a Tuesday, they'll work with you on scheduling. It's the fact that when they do schedule you, when you originally agree that you just don't go and say, Oh, I can't make it now, like a day before when it's already been put in motion. That happened to me a lot on Salmon, and it was a nightmare because I had there was times that I would have at least seven or eight of the cast members on set, and not including the like the five, six crew members, and I had to match all 13, 14 people at the same time to be in the same place on the same day. And but at least you had the decency of people actually calling you and saying they couldn't make it. We've had circumstances yeah. where people just flat out did not show up. Oof. We're expecting them. We've never heard right. from a couple of these people that, ever. That's again. that's a nightmare because now it's like, okay, so this person's playing this character. How am I going to get around that and replace that? Do I, now do I have to hire somebody else because obviously they're not going. They probably won't show up again. So it's like, right. what do, what do you do from there? Is it's one of those things that you know now you have to cancel all of those scenes because unless somebody on set and the crew can actually fill in last minute. Which actually happened on um, on Hoodie is I fortunately had my daughter was home from college mm-hmm. and my wife was available. So we got to make it a family affair. Nice. And that's it's like, hey, hey, 
I, I need two people. I need a PA and I need somebody to, uh, to mm -hmm. fill in as a hoodie. And yeah. they both, they both showed up. So great. And I mean, that that's great. Like, especially that's why when we did Salon, we, originally it was supposed to be a web series and I wanted it to be where it was, um, where it was just my, my friends that I could trust. And then it be, and then that it fell down when you know as a web series it crashed and burned not because of anything bad or anything it was just that the the borough wouldn't let us film and all this different stuff so we decided to, uh, uh, so we shut down for a couple months and then I got Amanda and Carl oh Carl wasn't in at the time it was Amanda and Shane um, and then eventually Carl came on board as our PA for the movie and I got a bunch of people I didn't even know. And mm -hmm. eventually it worked out, but it, it, it was a nightmare of scheduling. And I, I, I didn't know if I could trust these people. We had a casting call, so I didn't really know if I could trust some of these people or not. But eventually Carl did amazing as, his P, as a PA, which is why we promoted him to mm -hmm. uh, be our chief operating officer for Gravestone. And I mean, well, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I apologize. No, it's fine. I was going to say the good thing about uh, a situation is with the indie film community is that uh, everybody on that set should be willing to do exactly that, which is, Hey, mm -hmm. uh, this person can't be here. This person just, mm -hmm. you know, blew us off. Somebody needs to be able to step up and do that. Right. And like, that's what Carl did a lot. Like he would, he would take over the role as director at times, or he would take over the role as SFX when we didn't have enough blood. It was mm -hmm. like he would step into roles that he wasn't assigned to because that's what you got to do. Like to make the, it's not about you and it's not about what you're, what you're assigned to do as a job. It's about, you know, what's best for the movie. Does this movie need more blood? Does the SFX person need more help? Does, you know, do, do you need another camera person because the other camera, because we, we don't have enough angles or whatever. Like you get, you have to, you know, fill in with the right people and like, you know, elevate them. If they have to do more work mm -hmm. than they were originally assigned to, then so be it. Our actor that played Benji, he did, he did the camera the first night. He wasn't scheduled to film, but he showed up the first night on set from like four o'clock in the afternoon for, you know, prepping everything, doing, helping prep everything up all the way to fill, uh, doing camera and clapboard and everything else under the sun all the way until three in the morning. And he wasn't even scheduled to be on set. See, he's worth his weight in gold and that's what it should yeah. all be about. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I gave him a lot of props for that like one of the best angles in the movie was his shot from day one um so uh so i know you like like we mentioned earlier you like going to around a convention so what's the best part about a, about the convention scene and what do you enjoy most about being there so when i first started going to conventions i i was kind of a casual you know i i've always enjoyed horror movies okay mm -hmm. But I was more of a casual observer that first convention. I really didn't know what I was getting into. Mm -hmm. And then over the course of the next, man, it's been 16 years now, I guess. <laughs> um, I've went from, you know, just enjoying the atmosphere, uh, going and meeting some of the celebrities that were, you know, must need, right. you know, meet right uh throw out uh, a shout out to jim crutt who was the mm -hmm. in deadlands i did my first mm -hmm. uh scene ever with jim and jim is a personal hero because he's a wonderful human being awesome. not because of his acting abilities so jim is a staple and i've gone to uh i've gone to conventions like four hours away just because jim's there so it's an <laughs> opportunity for me to kind of hang out with right. him but 
I pretty much have met everybody that I've wanted to meet as far as my, you know, bucket list of, of um, influences. So now what I really enjoy doing is going in there and supporting the indie community. So uh, mm -hmm. that's how you and I met. I showed up yeah. at that convention and I saw you at uh, your stand mm -hmm. that you had and we yeah. struck up a conversation and Absolutely. that's that's the fun part for me is going in there and just, you know, mm -hmm. supporting in any way, shape or form I can. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the thing, like, and, and another thing is like, especially like we have this trouble with sound, I'm sure. And a lot of films have this trouble, not just scheduling. Cause we filmed, we filmed our movie in like three months, but also the budget. Some people mm -hmm. can't like, they created an Indiegogo, but it doesn't get really any backers or, and then you have to use your own funds. That's what happened. We didn't have any funds and we didn't have any backers because we weren't known at the time. So right. it was our first movie. And I mean, it really wasn't a good movie, but that is what, all first-time filmmakers make they make their first movie to kind of get their name out there to get a budget and to get known and that's where you go to conventions and you meet people and a lot of the indie films you get some of them are going to be really good and some of them aren't going to be that great but we go out there because we're all felt we're all in that community and we support each other we support right. each other. We don't say, "Oh, that movie was a piece of garbage." Like you, you don't criticize your your fellow yeah. filmmakers. You, you, there's a nice way to say things and, and give them constructive criticism and right. support them and help them. Yeah, you never want to be the guy that calls the baby ugly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So to really uh, to sum up, what I enjoy the most is now every time I go to a convention, I'm seeing all the same people that I've seen over the years that mm -hmm. I've become friends with. So it's really the, the um, not to sound cliche, but it's kind of like a family reunion of sorts. You know, you oh, go exactly. in and it's like, haven't seen this guy in a year. Uh, good to see him again. Haven't seen her in, you know, mm -hmm. six months. Great to see her again. And then you find out, you know, these people are online. You associate with them on Facebook and mm -hmm. it becomes a tight little community. People that you've, you know, you may never meet in person. You're very close to online. Exactly. And it's going to be, oh, it's going to, it's not even going to be a family reunion after the pandemic. It's going to be a freaking party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can never, I, think, I think Mad Monster is going on in North Carolina right now, but. Oh, um, is it? Not, nice. I'm not leaving the house because of the snow, so. Yeah, exactly. I know, uh, yeah, I think Lar Park Lincoln is down there. I was speaking to uh, somebody from the indie community that I got in touch with for an interview. Uh, he's gonna, he's doing like a Friday the 13th band film. I got, actually got in touch with him because of the Bad Egg crowdfunding campaign that happened. And he, okay. uh, he, he would like to promote his uh, Friday the 13th uh, fan film. Um, mm -hmm. I believe it's called Blood Rose or Rose Blood, something like that. Yeah. Um, sorry if I mispronounced the name. I don't have it in front of me right off the top of my head. But uh, he said he's going to get me an interview with. He's going to ask in uh, Lar Park Lincoln after they fi finish filming next weekend. Uh, or after they finish filming, they start next weekend, and he's also going to be on my show eventually to promote it. And awesome. uh, yeah, and uh, he he um yeah, and he was telling me Lar Park Lincoln was down there for Monster Mania this uh, uh this weekend for uh, to prom I guess you know to sign autographs, take pictures, and all mm -hmm. that promote Friday the 13th and all that which is pretty cool it's yeah. good that they're doing some things with the pandemic taking the safety precautions obviously wear your mask and six feet apart and everything be safe and always because you never know what somebody's going through and what their family members are going through health-wise so absolutely and I don't want to be that guy that gets somebody sick 
exactly same here <laughs> so um i know you mentioned to me uh when we were setting up this interview that uh you and your wife do real estate so you care to explain about the real estate venture with everyone and how it got started and if people need a realtor how they can get in touch with you right uh don't get in touch with me as a realtor but i do know an awesome <laughs> one in pennsylvania i can pass you to um okay. it was really kind of an accident to be honest with okay. you what happened was um we just we inherited a third of a house mm -hmm. and so that third of a house turned into a full house because we bought out the other two thirds and right. it was a duplex and so that turned into some investments and uh what we like to do is we like to you know take properties that maybe haven't been loved as much as they should have been right and then take those and fix them and then offer some affordable housing to people awesome so awesome. it's uh yeah it's just been something that did just really happened very much by accident mm -hmm. that's awesome so the last question i got for you is uh do you have any social media websites or any other projects that you're working on that you'd like to promote to the listeners and viewers of this interview no man i'm totally anti-social <laughs> no. no i'm kidding of course uh i am i guess officially i am an associate of key 13 so you can reach me through there uh if okay. you go to key 13's website they also have a facebook presence um friend is a very serious word to me i don't throw that around loosely um mm -hmm. there are people that i know there are people that i'm associated with mm -hmm. there are people that i'm friends with uh so you can find me on Facebook. I'm happy to, but I'm not going to vouch for somebody that I don't know, which is why, mm -hmm. fortunately, I didn't really get into that Indiegogo campaign we've been talking about mm -hmm. too much yeah. because I didn't know that person. But uh, I'm proud to say that out of, I don't know how many, I'm not taking account on how many on Facebook, mm -hmm. but I'm proud to say that the number of people that are on my Facebook, the ones that I've met in person, uh is probably 99 percent of them okay there might be there might be three people that i haven't met in person so mm -hmm. but i'm always happy to talk to somebody about anything uh mm -hmm. it might not be the most timely guy in the world because of course i am busy with everything but uh right you know i do enjoy it and then look forward to meeting somebody at a convention awesome that's great and i of course i'm sure you have an imdb page as well right do you have an imdb page uh on again one of the things that i enjoy about the indie community is promoting other people and right. so uh you know again love to see people be successful and if mm -hmm. there's anything that i can do so you know people have reached out and i've said yeah man interview uh you know do an audition here's key 13 mm -hmm. do an audition here's yes. absurd productions talk to matt burns and mm -hmm. uh the best i'll do for you is i can get you i can get you an audition but I'm not going to step up and say, we need to hire this guy. If right. I don't know you personally, if I haven't seen your work, right. Got to right. be very careful about a reputation. So I, exactly. I'd advise everybody to do that. Exactly. And that, and that's another thing. Like you can't just like say, Hey, we need to hire this guy. Like you have the reason why you audition is because you might be a good actor, but you might not be good for any of the parts that are needing casting for this particular project, which is why you would audition for it to see if you fit any of the roles. Absolutely. And one thing I would give the, uh, the listeners who may be looking into getting into indie film uh or professional film hopefully you know mm -hmm. go out to hollywood go to bollywood make your millions you know <laughs> is uh do the audition and then when mm -hmm. they tell you no 
don't take that as a never take that as you're not ready for that part or maybe you're not what they're looking for and then send a very gracious thank you offer to promote that project uh support that project and you know what you get that phone call when they're looking for somebody because they remember you from that other time right and just be and just because they told you no for that one project like you said they will remember you so maybe they will have another project that comes out they're like you know that you know that tommy tui he was really good for that he was he wasn't good for that part that wasn't what we were looking for but we have this role that that we were that this movie coming out and we think he'll be good for that we want him to audition for this and see how well he fits for this role or they'll just give it to you because they know this role is meant for you because they know what you were able to do at the last audition that you know you might not have been good for that part yeah, and again, to go back to something I said in the beginning, uh, try just showing up. Yeah. Because 90% of success is just showing up. You are going to get that role that maybe somebody else was better for, but that other person was just um, unreliable. Mm-hmm. And you may not be the best fit, but yeah. you're on set doing things that you were never asked to do. You're committed exactly. to it. And you're going to be the guy that gets that role. And then exactly. take that and do your due diligence and work on it and get better and then the next role and then the next role and the next role exactly and one other thing i like to mention is that is if you're even offered a role to be an extra no lines but you're in the background take it take it because that gives that gets your foot in the door and meet the connections yeah networking scotty i I don't mean to sound negative and i hope i'm not i hope i'm just being very Mm -hmm. honest here but a lot of people in the indie community want to be you know represented by sag you know want Mm -hmm. that card and and want to do big things and you know what good on them and i give them all the credit in the world Mm -hmm. but don't be too proud like i just said a couple times to Mm -hmm. show up be happy to be on set be that guy that's only in that movie for Mm -hmm. a half a second i've done that and you know and i've been happy to do that because like i said it's a privilege and it's an yeah. honor to just be involved exactly. in the project. Exactly. And if your goal is to do bigger and better things, you've shown in that just showing up and being happy to have no lines mm-hmm. and not even really be on camera. Right. You know, you're going to be in the next movie. Um, if I, I don't want to keep going on this, but I really want to emphasize that uh, mm-hmm. background actors are really the unsung heroes of the show. They can make yeah. and break a production. You get they a guy really in can. the background who's acting like an idiot, he's going to stand out not in a good way. Right. You ever want to see that in action? There's a movie called Copland that Sylvester Stallone Mm -hmm. did years and years ago. It's one of my Mm -hmm. favorite movies. At the end of the movie, there's a guy who is in a whole gaggle of people that are Mm -hmm. police officers, and he purposely bounces into Stallone, and he yells at him. And that guy is mentioned and not in a good way by Stallone in the uh, special features. Mm-hmm. They point him out. I don't know if that guy ever worked again, but that's not <laughs> the guy you want to be. Right. And that's a that's a background extra, yeah. you know, a background actor who ruined potentially possibly that movie mm-hmm. and potentially his career just by doing that. Right. And also like in a, in a good way, um, you have like, for example, if you're in a restaurant or if you're in, you know, a bowling alley, having just being an extra as background, you know, 
you know, being a patron, a customer that's just showing like talking, but you don't hear them. Like mm -hmm. that makes a movie because it gives the flavor that you're in a, a populated restaurant. Nobody's going to believe you're in a, you're, you're uh, in a restaurant and you're the only two people there because you're the stars of the show. Like the background extras populate the, the vicinity, just like cars do when you're, when you're on a, doing a street scene, you don't want to see all like, you know, no cars parked anywhere. You know what I mean? Because it's going to look empty. It's going to look like this is a planned production. You don't want right. that. You want it to come off real. Yeah, I've I've happily shown up again as a background mm -hmm. actor, and I've come solidly prepared. I've even uh, myself and Mike Hyatt did that mm -hmm. on a film. We showed up knowing that we yeah. were in the background, but we had sat there and prepared our look, our actions, what we were going to do. Mm -hmm. And part of it was in a bar scene, and uh, the band that was supposed to be in the bar scene came up and they were like, hey, we're not playing, but you guys are like rocking your heads every time because it's like you're listening to me. And I was like, well, yeah, that's our job in the scene. You guys are supposed to be playing in the band and we're supposed right. to be listening to the music. So even though nothing's going on and they just, they really didn't have any idea as to how a background actor actually yeah. worked. Right. Yeah. And the, and so, like you said, the background actor, actor, not just even with what he did to Stallone, but in, you know, a background extra can m break a movie just by, like you said, not doing what they should be doing. You know, if they're supposed to be sitting at a, at a, at a, you know, restaurant, they're supposed to look like they're having lunch and eating, but they're just, you know, kind of looking bored like this, you know, and not doing anything like if that's not what the background extra is told to do, you interact, you, you kind of improvise unless told differently. Like, you know, you don't obviously speak out so they can hear you, but look like you're interacting with the person on the other side of the table. It look like you're eating your food. Like you want to, you want to bring, that's still a character, even though he doesn't speak, bring it to life, make it into a character. Yeah. I obviously never said this. Somebody else beat me to it years and years and years ago, but there are no such thing as small roles or only small actors. Yep, exactly. Good point. Very good point. Exactly. And I completely agree with that. And I mean, if there's anything else you want to add, I mean, I think I'm good. What about you? Hey, appreciate it. And uh, yeah, back to the convention circuit. I got okay. a, I got a story I'd like to share with you. If you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Please do. So I was fortunate enough to go up to, I think it was uh, Steel City, which was in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And it was over, I don't remember what weekend, but it was one of those, you know, four-day federal holiday weekends. Right. And I and I get up there and the place is like a ghost town. There might have been a hundred people. Yeah, it was kind of a shame. But fortunately <laughs> for me, okay, that was the time where I finally got a chance to go over to meet Kane Hodder. I had introduced myself to him a couple times. He's very mm -hmm. popular. He's at the shows. And he literally had nobody near him. And so I went over and I just read his biography, which, by the way, if you uh, if you want to read something that's really interesting, read Kane Hodder's autobiography. It's fantastic. It'll really teach you a lot about him. So if you've never met Kane and if any of your listeners haven't, uh, mm -hmm. Kane is more than happy to interact, more than happy to take photographs, very uh, loving of his fans. And back then, this is about eight years ago, maybe. Mm -hmm. One of the things that Kane would do is if you wanted a picture of him, you got the option of having him choke you. All right. You ever, <laughs> you ever been in this situation? I never met Kane Hodder yet. I want to meet okay. him. I only went to one convention, but I'm ashamed to say it. And it was the one I met you at, Creature Feature. I wish God, I could have. Okay. I want to go to Monster Mania and all that, though. Well, we will get you to that. All right. So Especially Hunt Valley. Yeah, Hunt Valley. That's the one you need to go to. All right? Yes. 
so uh Kane's there and I came up to him and I said hey I really you know enjoyed your autobiography it, it literally did bring me to tears I don't want to ruin it for anybody but it was right. a very emotional read uh mm-hmm. not at all what you would probably expect right. and so Kane like I said enjoys taking pictures of people and one of the deals back then at least was is that if you wanted him in character to choke you he was actually really choking you okay <laughs> so we are talking he and I and the couple comes up and they want to take a picture with Kane. And mm-hmm. so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll take it for you. And so the guy hands me over this, you know, Nikon D8000, you know, 52 buttons and practically need a crew of people to work this. And so I, I zone up on them and I'm, I'm zooming in, getting the camera ready. And I, I can't figure out what button it is to push, how to function this mm-hmm. camera to take a picture of them. It's just way too complicated. Mm-hmm. And I realized that it's been, I've been fooling around with the camera for like 45 seconds. And this guy is turning purple, green, and red because Kane is choking him, right? Oh and I go, I go, oh, hey, uh, can you let him go, Kane? I, I don't know how to take the picture with this camera. So the guy kind of comes to, right, from the lack of oxygen, stumbles over to me, points to the button that I'm supposed to press, and then stumbles back over to Kane and assumes the position. And Kane starts choking him again, and I got the picture, and I hand the camera to him. He couldn't even say thank you. He was just, like, you know, worn out, and he stumbles away off into the distance. So be careful if you get uh, your photograph with Kane, because I want to save you from that. Yes, um, I, I would definitely love to have him choke me if he still does that. Not to sound, I don't know that came off kind of wrong, <laughs> but you know what I mean. But uh, I would love. I'm not, I'm not going to judge you, man. <laughs> but I, I would, I would love because that's an honor to be choked by Kane Hodder in that way for a picture. Like he's Jason Voorhees, you know what I mean, among other roles that he had. Like it's, it's an honor, right. really. And I, I mean, just, I mean, I always hate taking other people's pictures because not only do I know how to work the 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 buttons and all that, and like if it's a regular camera over a phone and all that, it's like what happens if I take the picture and it's not the way they like it or it's not the way they want it or whatever and i feel guilty that you know what i mean yeah that's easy man you just hand the camera back to them and say are you happy with this and yeah you know if they're not they're gonna say please take it again and it's not an issue yeah right and usually this now i like i was at the I was at a Once Upon a Time convention, the TV show Once Upon a Time, and like they had a professional photographer for all that. You couldn't like actually right. take your phone. But uh, like when you get a picture with the celebrities, now I met a couple celebrities before um, at at like Creature Feature and that, and other like event like wrestling signings and that. Um, but like when you meet us, actually meet a celebrity, like they'll let you take it like how many times until you're okay with it? I guess right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because you're paying all that money to see them, obviously. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, especially when I went to Once Upon a Time, it was expensive. It was like $200 for a five-second picture with Lana Perea. But it was worth it because because when I got my autograph with her, um, she lets every single fan tell her, tell speak to her as long as you want. And I got to tell her the brain cancer story about my dad and how she gave me hope when he was in surgery about about getting a, him getting a second chance at life and everything. And it brought amazing. it really helped me through my depression. That is amazing. And I'll tell you yeah. something, man. Uh, I guess I got to tell you another story if you got the time for it. Yeah, absolutely. Not not a problem at all. All right. So uh, my father. Um, had lost his job this is probably 1984 i guess okay Mm -hmm. and so um 
when I was growing up, I was always a small kid. And so mm-hmm. I, I wasn't into playing football on a football team. I would play, you know, mm-hmm. two hand touch with my buddies on the street. Right. Uh, so anyway, so I wasn't one to sit in front of the TV and watch football. And, you know, mm-hmm. dad was a sports guy. Right. And he didn't force it on me or anything, but um, he really quite didn't maybe understand my enjoyment of horror. But I remember he, like I said, he'd lost his job and he was, uh, had like a fill-in job. And mm-hmm. one of the guys at the uh, company he was working for had kind of like a bootleg video store back in the D- mm-hmm. the VHS days. Right. And so dad, dad brought home Dawn of the Dead. Dad nice. figured, you know, hey, Tom likes horror movies, so here you go. And yeah. so Dawn of the Dead, I, I really enjoyed it, really got into it. And of course, it's got the the iconic, you know, zombies, the mm-hmm. helicopter zombie, the machete yep. zombie, you know, the Hare Krishna zombie, mm-hmm. right? So years later, fast forward to Deadlands 2, Jim Crutt, the helicopter zombie, has the lead. And he and I, that's who I get to do my very first scenes with. Nice. And I told Jim the story. I was like, listen, not a fanboy. You know, that's not what I'm all about. But mm-hmm. I want to share the story with you of how I kind of, you know, was aware of who you were. Mm-hmm. So Jim and I became, you know, honest friends after nice. that. Uh, we've had the pleasure of each other's company for lunch and dinner with each other's wives and stuff. We've really gotten into nice. that. So my father, who uh, passed away a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. yesterday would have been his 91st birthday. Oh, wow. So um, there I am at my father's funeral mm-hmm. and uh we're you know greeting the uh the mourners who are coming in and sharing their condolences and mm-hmm. this is outside of philadelphia about two and a half hours okay. away from where i am and right. i look up and there is jim crutt wow jim crutt came all the way down from his home in uh i guess central pennsylvania to pay nice. respect to my dad all because of our friendship he and i that's and nice. i've never ever forgotten that and tying back to it it's that's who someday that i would like to be i would think nothing better than uh mm-hmm. meeting somebody at a convention who happens to enjoy whatever role i've had mm-hmm. and they tell me something very similar to your story that you yep. guys share yeah and when i told her that she uh she was literally crying like at the table and after like i was speaking to her for about 10 minutes like telling the story for about 10 minutes i'm like i don't want to hold you up but i just wanted to let you know that and it was like it was literally my dad just got done his mri the night before like the, earlier that day or the night before he just got his results back or something happened and i told her that he just i think he was like was it two years cancer free at the time now he's, he's almost uh five years it'll be five years this year um, awesome yeah but uh he uh he ended up telling uh, i ended up telling her this and she's like no you take you spent as much money as you did just to come here to see me and meet me you tell take as long as you need i'm giving everybody as long as they need to tell me their stories that they want to tell me and i'm like okay um she lets you tell like one story and like t- tell her and you could tell it in its entirety so i told her it and she started crying and she looks over and like does anybody have a freaking kleenex <laughs> and then i and i I told her the story, and after I, she wiped her tears, and I'm like, "Thank you, I, I honor." She took a picture of my book because I had her sign my book I wrote about my dad, the autobi- the biographical novel called Christ Defeats Cancer, and she mm-hmm. signed it. And uh, she took a picture of of it, and she put it on her uh, Twitter. And then she took a picture of our picture after she autographed that free of charge, even though you can only get one autograph. She autographed three things for me. The book inside with everybody else. She's the only one on the cover of the book. And then she autographed a picture with her. And then she took a pic- the picture with her phone. She put it on her Instagram story with the caption, this man. 
and a bunch of exclamation points. And I, uh, my notifications were blowing up from all the people in the group I'm in and everything. And then, um, and then she, uh, and then like after I, after she did all that, I'm like, thank you so much. I truly appreciate you for, for to listening to me. And I went to, I walked away and I was get, almost out the door. She goes, where are you going? I'm like, I told you my story. She's like, you can't tell me a story like that and not get a hug from me. I'm like, oh, oh my God, this is my life right now. Cause like, she's my favorite actress. She is like, she is my role model. Like after like seeing her in Once Upon a Time, she played the evil queen and she mm -hmm. got, uh, she got her redemption story where, which is where, what got, like when my dad was getting a surgery in that, I was at her redemption story where they gave, all gave her another chance at life. Now my dad's not an evil man by any means, but it, it was kind of, you know, synonymous with she's getting a second chance of going from evil to good. What, you know, evil, like evil, the villain, the hero, where my dad is getting a second chance of having brain cancer and, you know, possibly dying to getting a chance at life where he was told he would only had a month to live if we didn't catch it when we did. And now it's Man. still terminal. It's classified as terminal. It's, it's, there's no cure for it. But right. the lifespan they gave us was a year and a half. He's going on five years this September. That's amazing. And yes. uh, I will keep your dad and your family and you, of course, in my prayers. Thank you. I truly appreciate it. And like I said, uh, and I'll just do a cheap plug. I have my, like, of course, the book Christ Defeats Cancer. And I have the sequel to it, Christ Defeats Cancer 2, The Battle Continues on Amazon. And of course, I have the Ultimate Halloween trivia book, the Ultimate Friday the 13th trivia book, and the second edition Ultimate Halloween trivia book all on Amazon as well. So if anybody wants that, you can also get that. But uh, I thank you, Tommy, so much for joining me. Hey, no, I thank you. I really appreciate it, Scotty. It's no great problem. to talk to you. Thanks for taking the time. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's my honor. I hope I've mentioned everybody and everything that I should have because I'm so concerned that I've left somebody out. I think I'm looking <laughs> at my notes here. I think I hit all the high points. So. <laughs> Not a problem. Well, before but, I let you go, I just want to let everybody know uh, if you're watching this, you're obviously watching the video on YouTube on the Slash the Scotty YouTube channel. So give me a subscription, obviously. Like the video if you like the interview. Um, and comment, of course, um, if you want to leave a comment, I interact with all of the people that have comment on my posts. Um, and then if you're obviously listening to it and come across the video, go over to YouTube, search Slash Scotty and subscribe to me there. Or if you don't and you just like podcasts and you're listening to it, then of course, rate, review me on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Openbox, CastBox, Wushka, Anchor, uh, Breaker, Verbal, and any other ones that I may have missed. I'm on at least, at least 25, 30 of them. So obviously find me somewhere, give me a rate review, and of course subscribe on YouTube. And again, I thank you, Tommy. It's been an honor. I really had a pleasure meeting you back at Creature Feature. Glad we connected, and I definitely want to work with you at one point. Hey, I'm looking forward to it, but uh, you know, you should have you should have sent your audition tape, man. I know, I, I know. I was I was so busy uh, with uh, with like my YouTube channel. I was getting that set up, and we're very mm -hmm. close to pre production, oh, almost close to ending pre production and going into casting with seventy two. So I was like, we've been very busy, like trying to get that out um, and get that ready for a possible filming date in the summer, if possible. Um, but yeah, so I really wish I could have auditioned, but uh, definitely keep me updated on any future auditions, and I'll be I'll be looking out for them. Absolutely. So uh, awesome. just uh, last thing I would sum up again to express my thanks, but uh, back mm -hmm. to where I said, you know, connecting with people. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm still in touch with my kindergarten teacher, believe it or not, on Facebook. Nice. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, nice. I was serious when I said that if I do something with you, I stay in touch with you forever. Yeah. Still hear from Gary after all these years from Deadlands yeah. 2. 
and uh, look where you and I have come from. Exactly. We met one time at a convention and you immediately, we added each other on Facebook and we don't talk every day, but we are connected in, we're a forever family in the indie community. Absolutely. And my pleasure. Hey, yep, take care you. of yourself and stay, yep. uh, stay warm. Best yep, of your you family. do. You do the same. Thank you. And you stay safe as well with this whole pandemic. Thanks, brother. Take care. Yep. Yep. You too. Bye.